I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. To explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Others lock up your sons. The fangirls are busting out all over. It's Fangirl Radio. Fangirl Radio. the fangirls on jackalope radio hi everybody and welcome to this week's episode of fangirl radio i'm your host jessica dwyer and with me tonight is my or are my lovely and talented co-hosts ren wellox hola and rachel moore good evening and um as always floating around in the ether is the lovely and ghostly amanda um, that you who cannot hear, but she's always with us. So, um, without further ado, on to the episode. And I have to apologize uh, for a late, last-minute change in um, in the segments. We were going to have uh, Nathan Basil and Scott Glossom run on this week, but unfortunately, um, due to timing, we had we had a last-minute change, and they will be on next week's show, both of them. Uh, to talk about uh, Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon, and the, the um, pretty much picking up speed to be made prequel um, before The Mask um, that is being done via Kickstarter. And uh, I will be, be posting a little um, blurb on uh, our Facebook page as well as our uh, Fangirl Magazine uh, website um, that is uh, a little video uh, that's in support of this movement to get uh, before the mask made um but yeah the guys will be on next week and we've got a bunch more guests lined up in the works uh to be on the show some pretty awesome names and uh, i'm just going to keep you in the dark on that so the suspense um, the suspense it kills um but on to um our week in geek and also just to let you know tonight's episode is going to be talking about the big sexy brain and history of the great detective Sherlock Holmes. Everybody Yay. loves the Holmes. He's my Holmes boy. Anyway, <laughs> yes, I said that. Uh, oh, no, you didn't. Oh, no, I didn't. What's up, son? What's up? Oh, um, please make it stop. <laughs> <laughs> um, but on... Yes. I'm sorry. I made your hurt brain hurt. Um <laughs> So on to uh, our Week in Geek segment, and I'm going to start it off with Rachel. Rachel, what you got for Week in Geek? Well, something really exciting has happened. DC Entertainment has joined the fight of, against the hunger crisis in the Horn of Africa with their new We Can Be Heroes campaign that they've announced, which is a really, really neat thing. It's going to support three different aid groups. Uh, aid groups working in Africa Save the Children, International Rescue Committee and Mercy Corps and they are um, committing millions of dollars over the next two years and um, it's going to go across all of Warner Brothers Entertainment and Time Warner's business and uh, platforms it'll feature the Justice League um, including Superman, Batman Wonder Woman and they're going to call it We Can Be Heroes and so it was just announced by the CEO of Warner Brothers. And it's this really great initiative that's going to bring a lot of focus onto the hunger crisis in Africa. They've picked the Justice League because of how much the Justice League does when they're together and how they're stronger working together than independently as superheroes. And so it's going to com- um, be fundraising. They're going to do fund matching. They're going to bring in a lot of their affiliates. It's, it's, a, it's a global um, company. And so it has a huge amount that they are, they're going to be able to do. It's really exciting. It's a really neat thing where geeks can kind of raise up, rise up and really change the world. And um, 
be a force for good. And so they have a website up. It's www.wecanbeheroes.org. Um, and you can also look up savethechildren.org, rescue.org, and mercycore.org. And so it's a really, really beautiful thing that um, this company is doing, a company um, with a lot of money and a lot of influence. And so I applaud them for that. And so that's my Weekend Geek. That's awesome. It's always good when, when giant, massive corporations can show some humanity like that. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> um, well, my Weekend Geek is, isn't nearly as, as you know, heroic in that way. <laughs> <laughs> Philanthropic. Um, but I have a couple of things. Um, one is I, I went and saw um, Underworld Awakening over the weekend, and I, I really enjoyed it. Um, a lot of people are kind of slamming it. I'm not quite sure why. I don't know what they were th- expecting. Um, it, I I went ex- going into it wanting to see vampires and werewolves fight, and uh, you know Kate Beckinsale kicking ass in leather, and um, seeing hot Charles Dance, um, pretty much channeling Peter Cushing as a vampire, and um, that's what I got. <laughs> I was not disappointed. <laughs> I have a theory about that, though. If you were going expecting kind of a follow-up to Underworld 2, which is what it was, um, it I think you enjoy the movie more than if you... I mean, Rise of the Lycans was just a hard movie to follow up, you know, because you have Michael Sheehan and Bill Nye, and so I think well, that yeah. changed people's perception of what they expected. Well, a lot of people were saying that they turned Celine into some sort of caricature or destroyed her character, and I'm like, um, she was sort of bland. All I do is kill <laughs> things in leather, anyway. Right. Um, and and that's and what they did was they they you know they I thought they advanced her character a little bit, gave her a little bit more humanity. It's not that kind of movie, though. I mean, you're going to see the pretty things kill one another, and right. and uh, and and this. I thought the 3D was great. They did some great. I actually had a couple of shots that actually made me kind of jerk. I saw it in IMAX 3D, and I thought it was it was really well done, very pretty. Um, uh, the the new characters were interesting. Um, they set it up, of course, for a sequel, which is a big surprise, and. Um, <laughs> I really loved how Charles Dance was channeling um, not only Peter Cushing in look, but he was doing a very good Bill Nye impression because um, he had that kind of clipped Bill Nye. Uh, you, you, I, I don't know if his character was supposed to be related to um, Victor, but I could totally see it if they were. Um, and I, I really enjoyed it. I, and the soundtrack was great. I, I thought they did a great job with it, and I totally. Um, I totally support people going to see this movie. I thought it was a wonderful film. I had a great time with it. Um, and I also have to bring up uh, Theo James, who plays uh, kind of like the prince of the vampires in it. He's this uh, he's an awesome actor. I got to meet him at Comic-Con not too long ago. And he's got cheekbones that don't quit. <laughs> say that about him and um, also Stephen Ray's in this and he's great in it as well but um, the real the, one of the real uh, great parts of this movie is India Isley who's the daughter of Olivia Hussey mm-hmm. and she is just a thoroughly beautiful uh, young girl who's got a huge future ahead of her held her own with Kate Beckinsale and these great actors and also Michael Ely plays in it as well it's great so good movie Support it. Um, love. I I want to see him take it, you know, to the next level with the next one. Um, still, though, you know, miss Michael Sheehan and Bill Nye. And I actually told that to Lynn Weissman. I said, "How do you bring them back? Because I want them back <laughs> in leather." <laughs> and he's like, "I know." Bill Nye keeps telling me he wants to come back. I cut your head off, dude. No, blew up your body. How am I supposed to do that? He's a vampire. Find a way. The poor blood on the asses. That's how Hammer did it. You know, that's 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 how you do it. Um, He's got an evil twin. He's got an eviler twin. (laughs) Well, I guess that would. I guess Charles Dance could take that one, man. Um, The other thing, uh, the weekend, my weekend geek, I have to bring up is something that just hit um, 
I th- it was uploaded on YouTube on the 18th of January, and it's pretty effing cool. Is oh my god, Star I was War- totally gonna say that one. Star Wars Uncut. Yes. yes. <laughs> We've been waiting forever for it. Yes, and and just in like five days, they've already got over a million views um, on this thing. And if you, it's two hours and almost four minutes long. And it's the entire film done in 15-second segments by fans. Yep. And it's totally awesome. And if you haven't got to see it yet, go watch it. It's online. It's co- perfectly legal as far as I can tell. I think it's got it's got uh, Lucas's blessing. And, wow, um, that, that's actually pretty impressive because he doesn't like fan fiction very much. So well, he... I have to say this one thing for Star Wars. They did do, because they knew that there were so many fans out there, and they they knew that this stuff was going to be made. They did actually, he doesn't so probably like the fan fiction so much, but when it comes to fan-made films, Star Wars is one of those things that actually supports their fans making films. Actually, there is a website where you can watch Star Wars fan-made films that they have officially sanctioned. LucasArts, I think, actually co-runs it. And um, it's pretty awesome. And but so this it's is not that he doesn't support the fans; he just supports specific fans. <laughs> oh, no, I'm just asking because I oh. know that, that there's been problems in the past with people having him come down pretty hard. But oh yeah, I, there's I been there's been a quality issue. I think it's if they try to make money on something that he yeah. made that they'll go after him. But this fair. is. And that is fair. That's totally fair. I know there's a, there's some author, there are some authors out there, if I can talk. Um, if I'm talking funny today, it's because I burned the ever-living crap out of my mouth today on coffee. <laughs> and never, ever do that. Never, ever burn your mouth on coffee, especially as hot as I drink it, because it, there's, it just destroys your, your tongue. Anyway. Um, Lug that away. <laughs> <laughs> Lug that away for later. Um. But uh, there are authors out there that will not allow fan fiction to be posted, even if it's non, um, you know, fan fiction. You don't make. Anne Rice is one of them. Um, I believe Laurel K. Hamilton might be another, and they are perfectly, you know, allowed. That that's valid. If they do not want people to be yeah. taking their characters and using them to do whatever, um, that's fine. Uh, uh, they are allowed to do that. That's their creations. Um, but this is an epic thing. I'm just blown away by how cool it is. And uh, it just the ingenuity and in some of the stuff, like especially the, the, th- the C-3PO costumes are hilarious. Oh, they're genius. I, I haven't had a chance yet to sit down and watch all two hours, but for about a solid half hour, I flipped through it. I watched the first 15 minutes, and then I flipped through it. And it's just stunning. I mean, everybody submitted 15-second clips, and most of them, the, the bulk of it is there, but they've had to, obviously, for editing purposes, some of them are shorter, some of them, you know, flop between them. But it's amazing how, because I've done editing before, I know what kind of a, a, an arduous task is to make something feel completely seamless, even when it's got thousands of seams in it. Um, and somehow, despite the fact that every couple of seconds you get a massive visual difference the fact that everybody knows the film so well and the fact that it's been cut together so well you you never really feel disjointed you really feel like you're watching a a, a singular project and the the differences in visual creativity are so cool i mean so staggeringly across the board everything from you know toilet paper tubes to <laughs> near near professional computer animation and there's hand drawn animation and there's claymation and there's you know people using the original soundtrack and just m- mouthing it and there's people speaking all the lines themselves the the levels of handmade costumes is everything from awful but still awesome to awesome and awesome <laughs> it's it's the coolest star wars thing i have seen in years it is wickedly cool I, I have to say it, it was it's just neat watching these things come together. You're right. The editing is is exceptional, especially considering, you know, these different different countries, different parts of the world, different you mm. know, everything is is different just, file types. I imagine. Yeah. I mean, goodness. I, I know. And then was that Star Destroyer at the beginning? Was that thing made out of cardboard? Because it looks like cardboard with like flames coming out of it. The the one that was on fire. That was yeah. awesome. 
I, yeah. It looked like it was totally that on fire. Board. I thought it was so cool. Yeah, well, no, it, 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 and kind of kind of going into that um, Lucas thing, I have to bring up the Indiana Jones engagement ring story. Oh, oh my I god! Did you did, have you guys read this, did, Rachel? Did I you saw see the headline, it? but I didn't I actually read it. Pictures of the ring. Oh my god! He this guy gets a pass forever. I mean, uh-huh. after after what he did with this, it's this is brilliant. If you find the picture, look at the ring. It's freaking beautiful. But guys, this is how you do it. I mean, this this guy hat knows. Okay, so he like um, first of all, he decided he wanted to make this ring, but he didn't have time. He wanted to propose to her on eleven 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 because it's such a special day. It's never going to happen again, like in our lifetime. And so he didn't have time to get the ring made in time. So he went and gave her a a, a, a a ring box. She opens it. There's a little bag of sand. And he go, He says something to the effect of, Oh, Wendy, beat you to it. Uh-uh. And so that gave him time to go get this ring made. He sketched the design. He's like, because she's this massive, his, his fiance is a massive Indiana Jones fan. So he designed this ring to look like a coiled whip with a yellow diamond in the center as the idol. And so this guy, I think he was in Nevada, he had uh, the, the guy that made the ring. And then when he presented it to her, he gave her an option of three boxes, like in uh, the Last Crusade where Indy had to pick the right cup. Mm-hmm. And he used like a magic trick to make sure she picked the right one. <laughs> and when she opened it, there it was. Aww, it's the coolest ring. It's really it, cool. It's effing beautiful. So, props to you, sir. Yay! You know, and I, I, I almost want to say that he had like the soundtrack pumping out somewhere. <laughs> 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 you know, because that night, that guy, mm-hmm. he he saw what was in the Ark of the Covenant. Let's just say. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> really? Wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Rachel. Rachel had to bring up the um, the the Rafe Fines and Harry Potter this week. You had to you oh. had to send me that. Rafe Fines reading Harry Potter slash fiction. Oh, oh, wow. Harry slash fiction. It wasn't as good as Michael Sheehan reading Twilight slash slash fi- fiction, but it was so great because you could tell he really didn't want to do it, but he was being a good sport, <laughs> and I appreciate that. Like he was definitely embarrassed doing it, but. He, he did it. Pajamas. <laughs> what yeah. was it like? Um, oh, it was some British talk show, and they're they're all in pajamas and something, and he just looks so uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, is, is that how it happened? I was just gonna say because if the man didn't want to do it, how do you force him to do that? On well, it, it was a talk show, and they were they were saying, "Hey, do you realize how much porn Harry Potter right. produces?" Oh Which my is god! Because our, we're talking tonight about. Sherlock Holmes and talk about the many different kinds of fan fiction that has spawned. I mean, oh, and and the slash fic uh, knows no bounds with that. Um, I also had to bring up one more thing um, about uh, I'm sort of disappointed in one way, but I don't know the whole detail. But um, there is a giant um, uh, sort of back and forth now going on about the film The Grey, which um, is directed by one of my fave directors, Joe Carnahan, the man responsible for bringing the A-Team back to life, and starring Liam Neeson. And apparently during filming, um, the the cast that, you know, the, they're all surviving in the wilderness, they have to fight wolves and the whole bit, um, they actually ate wolf meat um, to get character. And unfortunate, yeah. And a lot of people are, are there's like a big row online now, and people are like saying boycott the film. Were they endangered uh, wolves? I just have to ask because I don't know all the details. See, that's the thing. I've only seen bits and pieces about it where they're talking about this, and and I remember, um, uh, I can't. I, I think it was on George Lopez when the whole A Team crew were on, and they were talking about what was it like to work with Gerald McRaney and they were all sort of horrified by the fact that he was showing all of his hunting pictures to everyone because he's a big time hunter and they were all sort of like eh, you know we don't go for that kind of thing so I'm sort of 
I, I you know, I, I, I love Liam Neeson. I, I love, I love what Joe Carnahan does. He's a great director. Um, I really wanted to see them. I really want to see the movie, but, um, a lot of people are just like, it's just your basic, you know, I don't know. Survive they, there's something, thing. there's something though. I mean, I understand, you know, people think of canines much different than they think of bovines. But if the animals weren't endangered, you know, people eat weird things all over the planet. You know, I, I yeah, I mean, where do I you get personal to do it just because it's <laughs> so different to me, you know, and a wolf or a canine, so different to me. But I don't, you know, I don't think, oh, oh, goodness. But if they're, you know, eating baby seals, that's a different, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, and I, I'm like, where do you get wolf meat from? I, I, I you know, I, I wouldn't know. And they're not, so it's they're just, not it's, that hard to find. I mean, I... <laughs> they've been reintroduced into... They've actually been reintroduced into areas like Montana. So, like, areas like Montana, I can't remember what the other state is, but they now have wild wolves back in the wild. Well, right. And I think it's not, because a lot of people see them as an endangered species and that, you well, know, they're yeah. they're offended by the fact that they're trying to make, you know, make it out that it's okay to go out and kill a wolf eat it. Yeah, No. And, da- and eating any endangered species yeah, is just stupid. Was, I, I, I hope that's not the case because I mean, but it's knows, not just because it's an animal. It'd be like eating the last of an endangered plant. You know, it's the same thing all the way around. It, right. If it's not going to exist after you destroy it, whether destroying it involves simply cutting it down or eating it, then don't do it. Right. 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 And my thing is, you know, there are people out there uh, slamming Liam Neeson about this and slamming the whole film and i'm like you know until you know the details don't well that's the truth there's there's gotta be more to than meets the eye to this yes what meets the eye is definitely objectionable (laughs) but it it warrants it it warrants somebody stepping up and giving the whole story and until someone steps up and says either yeah we made a big mistake or actually this is what happened and you all are wrong until someone does that it's kind of like gotta reserve some judgment Right, right. So, you know, don't don't um, put these guys out to to slaughter yet, to use a phrase, until you hear the whole story. Until they actually ate endangered gay animals, yeah. and then it's on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. it's Liam Neeson. Be good. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> guys you had know, a rough time. Guys had a rough time. So, take be nice. Um, so, I think that's really. Um, I, I think that's unless Ren, do you have anything to add to the Weekend Geek? If not, we will oh, roll on. No, I've been perusing the the interwebs. The only thing I could think of was that Yay Sopa and Pippa got delayed in in Congress. Um, yay. Uh, yay! Yay! Oh yeah, and the death of Mega Upload. The death of Mega Upload. How sad is that? Well. Not that there's not a million other websites to take uh, place, but still. Apparently, Mega Upload was doing some pretty. Shady wrong things. Wrong things. Not just like saying, you know, hosting, a, I don't know, a, a, say a BBC TV series episode or something like that, or hosting, you know, a Lady Gaga record. They were doing things like giving bonuses to people that uploaded copyrighted material, knowing that it would be highly downloaded and giving them money for that. Hmm. And then I think, um, from what I gathered, too, they were doing stuff, shady, shady things. Like, um, they had their hands in the the DVD burning trade overseas where people would, you know, they sell on the street corner. They were part of that. So, you wouldn't think a file sharing site would, one guy in particular, like, say, one one of the top eight people in charge was making $50 million a year. Good Lord. So yeah, they they went down not because of the file sharing, but because no, of, of the other stuff. Yeah. So I, I didn't I didn't know any of that. That makes total sense to me why that would I mean that's that's the thing is like what what they were trying to do with SOPA and PIPA, there are definitely websites whose unethical and illegal activities need to be addressed. Evidently Mega Upload is one of them, but those bills were too, just too overwhelmingly oh, yeah. vague. And to me, overwhelmingly why, would vague. You, why would you need SOPA when you have the ability to do what they did with Mega yeah. Upload? Y- 
you didn't even pass SOPA, and you got rid of a website that was doing what you're trying to get stop people to do. In a, a, so, a, but yeah, and the way they did it though was my thing, and a lot of other people like uh, like Steve Niles and, and guys like who are artists who are anti piracy, but also anti SOPA is you just took down a website where millions of artists were using this as a tool to get their work out there and now all of that work if that was the only place they had it stored is gone well if that was the only place they had their work stored then that's their own fault yeah yeah but the 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 fact of the matter is all of these people were probably using that as a paid service as well and it's gone you know and they're out all that money all the work that they had uploaded that on that site has been taken away and now they have to go find another place to do it which is probably going to have time, the same thing at the same time isn't isn't that sort of your responsibility as somebody who's creative and releasing those things to make sure you're using an ethical source i mean make sure that well, you I, are i was just going to say the same thing yeah you know it's it's your own responsibility to make sure that using you're using an ethical source but i had no idea mega upload was doing that stuff I mean that's that's it's a two way street. Yes, I can do sure. my due diligence and investigate the people with whom I do business, but if those people are being deliberately evasive and if there's and no disclosure, secretive, yeah, then I sure. then I'm doing business with someone I don't know what they're doing. So right, you know what, make make it not illegal. That's the same thing with making you know most things illegal. I'm not going to say everything, but you make some things illegal and you create an illegal trade. So, you know, find a way to do this legally. Find a way to let us view the media we want. Someone was saying, I think it might have even been on Twitter, There was they'd mentioned some person's work, and they said, if I wanted to watch blah, blah, blah right now, I could either be watching it in 20 minutes by downloading it, or try and find it legally on the internet or out around town and probably never find it. You know, so uh, there's there's a way to make people stop pirating is to simply get get us the access get us the access if if universal studios created a website where i could pay them five bucks to watch any movie in their back catalog even though that's more than i rent at redbox if their whole back catalog was up there i'd probably always go there i'd probably always go there and happily pay five bucks to watch something instantly because the access is the important thing well right and and the other thing is in and like with warner brothers i know they have that massive um, Warner Brothers library thing now where it's basically they, they burn per order. They, they find like these old random movies back in their catalog and they will and it's just basically a blank C- DVD that they burn it on for you and send it to you after you pay $25 for it. Right, right. But, and, and the quality is just not there. So a lot of people are seeing that and they just go and, and, and get it from some other source because it's like why should I have to pay I can pay. I would be more than happy to pay for a direct download on my computer. You know, five, ten dollars for this instead of yeah. paying twenty-five dollars for something for that a sub-party. Well, movie. and I think as streaming goes on, people are uh, companies are realizing that corporations are realizing that, and that's going to become more and more of a reality because it, you know just what what's happening um, with Netflix and Hulu. Um, they're they're realizing how big a demand there is. I mean, they're they're trying to figure out how they're going to work it into the Nielsen ratings, you know, mm-hmm. because that's yeah. how I, I watch TV. I don't have cable. I don't have um, uh, even network TV on my on my television. We do we do just net Netflix and Hulu across the board, and it you know and it needs to be easier because they it, some companies make it very hard. I mean. Um, and my husband and I have really committed to not downloading, not pirating any of that, you know. And it, it's hard because it used to be you, you know, things would come out or you, there'd be different ways to get it. And now it seems on one hand we have the streaming growing. On the other hand, things are tightening up. So they need to get with the program and provide more options. Yeah, because it's not going to lose the money. I mean, if I could, you know, the big one for me is Doctor Who and and, yeah. and, and and shows like in Britain that I hear all my friends telling me about because I have a ton of people that live in Britain that I know. Yeah. And I'm like, I can't see it here for like a year yeah. or six months. And 
and it sucks and I would be more than happy to pay the BBC $10 a month, 20 bucks a month, $15 a month, whatever to be able to watch their programs. Well, and I think it's something That's... that people have said for years if you could instead of buying a full cable program buy just BBC just or just pack, Discovery just the and mix and match want. your own your own oh, channels. I've said that I, since I was like 13. And, yeah. and the truth is, so many people who don't have cable at all would suddenly be interested in cable. And you'd probably get more money out of me than you would normally just because I don't have to mm-hmm. deal with the rest of it. Yeah. So I have to, I have to say, though, that what Jay just said about paying the BBC essentially an international license fee, that is such a bizarre but cool idea. I mean, <laughs> there's, there's, there's got to be so much mixed up in that that would make it hard because the BBC is a government program. You know, yeah, it's a, a government program. It's not a commercial thing. entity, so it's not somebody that would just happily open up another branch to, to gather revenue. You, it would essentially be a portion of the British government receiving payments from international citizens. But that there's got to be a way to do that. I would pay the BBC license fee. I would pay like triple with a license fee over there. It's like 130 pounds or something. I don't know what it is. I'm just guessing. But, you know, <laughs> yes, yes, I would pay a license fee to get for it, to get BBC programming. That okay, well, I can, te- I, I can tell that we will be debating this all night. So I ha- we're, we're yeah. going to stop talking about the BBC in one fashion and start talking about it again in another. Um, <laughs> and that is one of their biggest hits in the last couple of years um on par it's getting on par with doctor who i think in the cultish fandom that's following it now and that is sherlock and not just the series the new series but i want to talk about sherlock holmes and how this character has just become one of the biggest icons in literature television video games Everything. Um, he's as, he is as iconic as Dracula, mm-hmm. and and has been around uh, almost as long. Um, I think I, I'm trying to remember which one they they pretty much tied. I think in terms of uh, being created, they were really close. Um, but uh, this character has just fascinated people since his inception by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, and. Um, I, I just I know that I've got two Sherlockian um, babes with me tonight, so I want to hear first. I want to hear from Rachel. What has always kept you enthralled with Sherlock Holmes? Well, you know, my first experience with reading Sherlock Holmes was uh, in grade school. I was reading Nancy Drew, and my brother came in and was making fun of me for reading Nancy Drew. And I said, oh, you don't like her because she's a girl. And he said, no, you should be reading Sherlock Holmes because Sherlock Holmes can tell someone where they've been for 15 years by their footprint. (laughs) And so I thought, well, that's a pretty cool trick. And I was obsessed with magicians, and I was obsessed with all these, you know, kind of um, Victorian Edwardian era things. And so reading Sherlock Holmes, which brought in, you know, um, detection and spy work and magic tricks and illusion. And, you know, it, it, it was just such a great package. And he's such this wonderful, aloof, disaffected character, which we just love because everyone loves somebody with a mystery. I mean, girls love boys who ignore them. And we love Sherlock Holmes, <laughs> you know. Those are boys. So, uh, that's not true. <laughs> well, they shouldn't. But um, so then, you know, then my family was huge into the Basil Rathbone. So watching him, and he's so elegant and so wonderful. And so to me, that's really the greatest thing about Sherlock Holmes is he's a complete gentleman. And then he does these ridiculous, amazing things that no gentleman of that era should ever do. And <laughs> is out, still just polished and perfect for it. And, um,. I remember when I read The Death of Sherlock Holmes, I bawled. I was unhinged. I was probably 13 at the time. Oh, and the I, falls. Yes, I completely freaked out. And there was a fellow staying at our house, and he said, No, 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 it's a fake out. He brings him back. And I, No, he's dead. And he fell oh. off the falls. <laughs> and he had to go to the library. <laughs> <laughs> he had to go and get me the next book because I only had this one book I'd been carrying around since I was 10 and reading and rereading and I'd never read the end of it until that day. And so uh, he had to go get me the next book. 
but I was I was distraught for days. Like the shock of it had been too much, and oh. so I think just that it happened so early, and he's such an enigmatic character um, that how can how can you help but be fascinated? Rin. Yes. What, what what is your thoughts upon Sherlock Holmes? Well, um. Unlike Rachel, I kind of wish I'd gotten into it at a young age. I think I would have really liked it. But I am a Holmesian newbie, um, so to speak. I, uh, I, I came across the programs, the BBC programs, now and then on television. But for some reason, whatever, the, I don't, don't know what it was, but they just didn't grab me. I know that I watched um, the Poirot ones. I liked him. Um, and I liked the Madame Marple now and then. Um, but for some reason, I just didn't get into the Holmes ones. I probably should have had them shoved in my face a bit more because maybe if I if I'd been forced to sit through one, I would have recognized the uh, the genius a lot quicker. So really, my my first kind of entire Holmes story that I saw was uh, uh, a study in pink, which was the first episode of the first series of this recent um, Sherlock series. And, you know, it's easy to get hooked by that because it's so brilliantly modernized and um, the actors are so spectacular. Uh, but, you know, it's flashy and it's bright and it's modern and it's quick and it's clever. And so it was easy to get easy to get into it. But having seen all six episodes now, the the image of this character is so... I can see the timelessness of him. I can see how he's... He's the same, you know, 200 years ago compared and now. Um, and I'll probably go back and read the novels, and I'll probably be picturing Benedict Cumberbatch, but... Uh, <laughs> as as most should. of us all do. <laughs> Every <laughs> night. <laughs> um, but I know I'll love them. I'm, I know I'll get into them because um, the Arthur Conan Doyle's... Um, character his i mean this is i've always thought this is the incredible thing about authors to write a genius you have to think like a genius i mean that's a that's a tall order anybody can write a character that does such and such but if your character thinks like a genius you have to think like a genius and arthur conan doyle was a certifiable genius um just a magnificent just enigmatic and every word that you just used rachel i was i was I'm enraptured by him. It's fantastic. The way his brain works is magical. Well, and what's well, interesting about Conan Doyle is that he wasn't that much of a genius. He was famously hoodwinked quite a few times. But oh, really? it was based off someone he knew who was Holmesian. And, oh. yeah, Sherlock Holmes is based off of a real person who was right. a doctor. And um, what, what were you saying, Jess? Well, I was, that, that was what I was going to say was he... Um, he really did base him off of, and I, I cannot remember the gentleman's name, um, but he was ba- based off of uh, a real doctor, a forensic doctor, actually. And I think also um, uh, Conan Doyle really took a lot from Edgar Allan Poe um, for his, uh, from, from the mysteries that Poe had written. Uh, to utilize in these stories, and that's where you get a lot of this gothic, um, gothicness. Especially, I think you see a lot of it in um, the Hand of the Baskervilles, mm-hmm. uh, which is probably one of the most gothic of of the Holmes stories. Um, but John um, Bell, that's his name. I just thank you. It. And there actually is a you. there actually is a film that was done. Um, I can't remember if it was A and E did it or um, one of these other. Um, one of the other networks did one uh, based about about that man, mm-hmm. um, and it uh, showed how he used uh, uh, forensics back in the 1800s to solve crimes. So he was very much the the inspiration for Sherlock Holmes. Um, well, and there's a great there's a great kind of um, story vanity uh, vanity in the stories of. When Sherlock solves something, it's always something that Watson hasn't caught. So it's never described beforehand. It's kind of different in, from Agatha Christie because in Agatha Christie, you can read along and you have the potential to solve it mm-hmm. along with or before. Whereas in in these books, yeah. oh no, you've never seen it. Sherlock saw it. <laughs> it you know, and it's, well, it's a great conceit. Right, and and I also love the fact that what you've what we've you know said was how he's timeless 
And I, I love how he fits so well into so many different other kinds of stories. And one of the, um, uh, and, you know, modern authors now have taken him and uh, utilized this character into their own works. Like uh, Neil Gaiman was a contributor to um, a great book that I just bought called The Study in Sherlock which is a anthology um, actually um, edited by Laurie, um, Laurie King, who wrote these amazing books that I always recommend to everybody, even though Rachel didn't like them. <laughs> which I was, them. You're the one who gave them to me, and I loved them. The Mary Russell books, I loved them. I thought yes. you said you didn't like how he was no, romantic at I one point. No, I was the one that borrowed all of them from you, <laughs> and you had to tell me you have to give those back to me. You don't remember I could, that? Yeah, I don't want to give them away to I know, but but no, you got me completely hooked on those, and I'm going to put them all in my nook next. They're they're beautiful books. They're be- brilliantly written, and um, uh, Lori King created a character named Mary Russell, who meets Sherlock Holmes when she's 15, I believe, and um, while he's retired, grow, um, you know, he's he's has his bees, and he's on the and. He's got Mrs. Uh, Hudson still with him, this housekeeper, and he's retired from from crime solving. And this young woman who is almost exactly like him in so many ways, um, he watches her grow up, and they wind up getting married. And her mind is almost as equally quick as Holmes. And it's a great she the 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 verbiage and, and wording in this in this thing is they're just like candy. I love them. They're so good, and uh, she she stays in that m- mode of writing that um, that suits a home story, but it's not overtly dry. Well, and it's not a romance novel either, even though she adds a romantic element to it. Um, it's very it's, understated. It's it's not a corset buster, you know. <laughs> no, yeah, and. I I sometimes enjoy them almost more than the Sherlock Holmes books just because she brings a depth and a research to it that Conan Doyle didn't. And also, you know, she's a brunette. The the character he falls in love with is a brunette American Jew, which are <laughs> three things that Holmes didn't like in the books, but of which I am all. So, you and know, it's a great Mary Jane Yeah. <laughs> she wears glasses and she's, yeah. a, she's a scholar and... Um, just great it's, Mary Jane. She's she's great. I I, I really love her, and um, it, the the books are brilliantly done, and they actually utilize characters from other literature and history in them. Um, and I believe there are I want to oh gosh how many are there now? There's quite a few. Yeah, well, a the lot. first one is called The Beekeeper's Apprentice, and I strongly suggest it if you haven't read them. Um, but not read just them in order. It's it's worth it. No, totally. You have to yeah. read them in order. Um, not just Mary Russell, though, but uh, Holmes has kind of taken over in comic book form as well. Um, there, and, and they've now utilized him against zombies in a series called Victorian Undead, and um, it's really awesome to see Sherlock Holmes taking on zombies in London. <laughs> well, and don't forget that Batman was originally partially based off of Holmes. Oh, totally. That's totally. that was his whole thing, and so people forget that. But especially in the early ones, there was a lot more detecting mm-hmm. in oh, the yeah. detective comics. I well, did not know that. I didn't know Batman was sort of based on Holmes. Oh, hardcore! Yeah. Wow, and, that's cool. And if you ever see that, there's a uh, Elseworlds called Gotham by Gaslight. Yes. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> that was like a corpse voice. If I will die. Yeah. <laughs> Gotham by Gaslight. Now you have to go back and read it and picture it read in Benedict Cumberbatch's voice. Oh, God, I don't think I could handle it. (laughs) (laughs) Everything, it should be read in Benedict Cumberbatch's voice. It's true. Um, But Victorian Undead, Wildstorm Comics, uh, they moved on to doing um, uh, a series where he fights Dracula. But I have to bring this up because it was one of my favorite, favorite comic books. Um, growing up, and and I should probably not have been reading it, but I was when I was um, <laughs> at the time, and sneaking into my sister's room and reading this. Um, I have to say that my sister was, no, she's not on tonight. She was supposed to be, um, and I forgive her. <laughs> get your uh, jab. Oh. <laughs> yeah, later you're gonna get 
Shiv. Um, there was a wonderful, um, amazingly well done comic book called Scarlet and Gaslight, an adventure in terror written by Martin Powell. And um, it was Sherlock Holmes taking on Count Dracula. And I love that they made Dracula in this look very Edgar Allan Poe. He looked like Poe. And uh, Moriarty is trying to use the King of the Vampires to start this, to basically take over the world. And there's all kinds of sex and debauchery in there, but it's it just really goes into uh, a lot of Holmes's issues, uh, mommy issues come up in there. And it's it's well done, great stuff. I believe they reissued it for like the 25th anniversary of the comic. And look it up on. Um, on Amazon. Really good. Really good stuff. Beautiful artwork. Can't say enough about it. Um, the other one that you really should check out too if you get the chance is uh, Fred Saberhagen did um, a, a series call, uh, called, well they, the one the original one was based off of the original Dracula, but the follow up was called The Holmes Dracula File. Great book. Um, God bless you Fred Saberhagen rest in peace he died a few years ago but he had some great works and this was one of the best um which was uh it began a whole history of the 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 connection between the dracula family and the holmes family so you need to check that out as well i and so that's a couple of my literary suggestions um girls do you have any suggestions for people to check out you, sh- you just start with the original books. I think people forget because there is so much fan fiction and there's so m- many different incarnations in the movie. You know, there's something about the books and there's something about the original um, Basil Rathbone uh, shows that is just um, iconic. And you can't go from a better place because everything else has in-jokes, it has history, and... Uh, to get it, the best thing to do is to go back and read the books. I would I agree. agree. I would agree. And then, and then for the segment of the the public that is less inclined, which I and, and I can understand because again, I said I would read the books, but it's been like a year and I still haven't. Um, start with start with this most recent Sherlock series because if you're if you're thinking you'd be interested, but you haven't worked up. You haven't worked up the actual interest yet. If you start with this Holmes series, you're, you're, you'll get the taste of it that I got, which was the understanding of the character and how awesome it is. So, you know, wrap it up in an easy-to-digest package. It's on Netflix right now. Season 1 is. I'm sure it's other places. Um, if you need an easier-to-digest package than a, than a novel that's already really old, not that really old novels are bad, yeah. but um, start with that and go from there because you'll likely fall in love with it as much as, as, as I have and the rest of us have. Well, well and it's interesting other- to me that the BBC Sherlock series in some ways is more true to the original feel of Sherlock than the Robert Downey Jr. vehicle that was out. Oh, very much. Very I much. didn't enjoy as much. I understand why people do, but I think I'm so dedicated to classic Holmes that even though it was set in the past, they reinvented the character, which I think now that I've had some time to reflect and my ire has died down, because as Jess can attest, I was unreasonably upset with the movie. Um, (laughs) It's just that I just can't personally accept Robert Downey Jr. as Holmes, but what I really do appreciate is that it's getting people interested, and Guy Ritchie really does have a love for the original story. But the new one that's set in modern times is a lot more true to the feeling of Holmes himself, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I have to say, too, that um, it's very easy these days to find this the original novel uh, novels because I believe that um, if, if, say, you have an iPad or uh, iPhone, um, most of those classic sets that you can download, uh, since they are public domain, mm-hmm. um, have that included. Adventures of Sherlock Holmes. For 99 oh, yeah. cents, along with like a ton whole, of other ones. You don't even need an Apple product. Data. I've got an Android phone with a free Kindle app, and right. yeah, the, all the all the public, public domain. Yeah, it's easy. 
Right. Also, um, Barnes and Noble has this great um, bookshelf series of classic books that oh, have so gorgeous cult covers, and they're twenty yes. bucks. Yes. And they have complete works of Sherlock Holmes, I believe, because I've been drooling over that in the Neil Gaiman collection, of course. Uh, <laughs> the H.P. Lovecraft one oh. made my day. Neil, yeah, Neil, Neil Gaiman. Uh, Neil Gaiman wrote because I can't have an episode where I don't plug him. But uh, <laughs> he wrote a beautiful uh, Sherlock Holmes Lovecraftian a story. Study in Emerald. You study in Emerald, and it has a great twist, and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I think that would be my best piece of quote-unquote fan fiction. Oh, and I'm, I'm, uh, I am being told that we're nearly out of time by the ghostly Amanda. But I did have to plug a few more things here about um, that you can uh, find to watch that will um, get you a little more baptized in the how land we, of Sherlock. How have we gone an hour and not talked about how awesome Benedict Cumberbatch is? We've mentioned it, yes. We have. We've I think talked it goes about without saying. It, it, we we oh. don't need to at this point. because We haven't because even talked about freaking Martin Freeman. I love I Martin actually, Freeman. I would love to see Benedict Cumberbatch play Black Butler from the anime. Just because oh. to me, he already is Black Butler. And I'm putting that out because, Jessica, you have some oh. kind of juju where the, the universe makes things happen No, you. you know, I, I can't help it. I have to say this. I, I, I actually posted a picture with Benedict and um, the lovely, lovely, um, oh, Mr. Fassbender. And um, I said, oh, look, here's the doctor and the master for the new U.S. version of Doctor Who. And then I looked at it and I'm like, oh my god, it's Van Helsing and Dracula. <laughs> 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 and it's like, no, I, I've seen him now. I'm like, this is young Peter Cushing. Oh my god, he has to play Van Helsing in something. And Michael Fassbender has to be Dracula. But um, Benedict Cumberbatch is basically just, he has taken over that role. He's my He's, new favorite I mean, he, and 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 speaking of Peter Cushing and Dracula and this whole thing, how everything's connected. Um, if you go to, and this is me plugging, I, I have to get this out there. This is what I do. If you go to, um, I believe Best Buy may carry it. If you have a Fred Meyer around you, go look for this ten DVD collection. It's in a ten package. Um, it's typically between ten and twenty dollars, and it has inside of it. The entire Christopher Lee and Patrick McNee Sherlock Holmes film collection. Yes, Christopher Lee as older Sherlock Holmes and Patrick McNee, freaking John Steed of the Avengers, as Watson. Oh, I loves it. It's so And good. there's at least three films, I believe, in there. And they're brilliant. And what's so great is Christopher Lee played... Uh, opposite Peter Cushing as Holmes in The Hound of the Baskervilles. He played Henry Baskerville. So, and I think he may have played Moriarty at one point. Also on Netflix, if you're looking to wet your whistle on Holmes, there are quite a few interviews that you can pick, including um, the, uh, I believe it is called, um, it has Christopher Plummer as Mm -hmm. Sherlock Holmes. And I can't remember the name of the movie, but if you look up Christopher Plummer, he plays Holmes on that. Um, they do have all three first series of Sherlock on there um, all, uh, with Benedict. Um, there are quite a few Holmes things on there, but avoid the Asylum one that has the guy that played the Doctor in Star Trek Enterprise. Just don't do it. Um, <laughs> just don't do it. Just it, It's, you know, Asylum is notorious for releasing um, they release films to piggyback on major releases uh-huh. and to and to confuse people mm-hmm. um, and what they end up doing is <laughs> they they introduced this one where it kind of combined Iron Man with Sherlock Holmes what? And Seriously? I, I, I can't begin to tell you how horrible it's called was there uh, a suit? Let's see. Oh, they they may have taken it down, but it's it, yes. There's a suit, and it's Moriarty oh, in the suit. Yeah, but there's also Tyrannosaurus it. Rexes and pterodactyls and things. Jay, you're only making me want to watch this more. No, so, no. Here's the thing. Um, do they have the one with um, Rupert? You know which I'm talking about. 
Are you talking about Richard Roxburgh and the Hand of the Baskervilles? No, no, although that's one of my favorites ever, and that is on Instant View right now. That is on Instant View with the lovely Ian Hart. Yes, as... it is great. It is absolutely great. Um, it, right, but I'm watching the oh, one with the T-Rexes. And I'm sorry, uh, Christopher Plummer and James Mason in Murder by Decree. Mm. You need to watch this if you are a fan of hot-voiced English actors playing for the Rupert Everett one you showed me, which is oh, definitely the one sil- of the case of the silk. Home. It was the de- uh, case of the silk stocking. Who also, by the way, Michael Fassbender playing twins in that. Yes, young. <laughs> yes, um, um, and, you know I think it's really interesting to watch a great um, to to watch all these different ones because there are little nods like um, people who are very passionate about. Um, Sherlock Holmes must have been in love with Irene Adler and people are very passionate about Sherlock Holmes was gay and people are very passionate about Sherlock Holmes was just into whatever he was doing and he was basically asexual. And then you have the the new one and what's so beautiful is no matter what camp you're on about that, the new one, at least the first season, I haven't seen the second season. It kind of caters to both. <laughs> it caters to all of it. And well, I think that's brilliant. I'm I'm all for making everybody happy and everybody having the take that that is important to them. Well, and I also well, and, had and that's and that's that's a that's a definite tip of the hat to the uh, to the writers because that's that is yeah, that, that is a three three bladed <laughs> knife to straddle, and oh. they've somehow managed to make you can't make all those camps happy, but somehow they did it. Somehow they, they managed to make it delightfully. Um, there's a word I'm looking for that's not nebulous, but but delightfully vague, and and so that all camps can still feel like they are right. I I, okay. I absolutely love what Mark Gaddis and and Stephen Moffat have done with it. They they have my Marvelous. my seal of approval. Marvelous. And real quick, because I know we're getting low on time, I had to bring up our our buddy Vincent D'Onofrio playing Moriarty and Sherlock, A Case of Evil, which um, oh yeah, which is out <laughs> there, and um, also. Uh, if you have never seen this, you really should watch it. I absolutely love it. My sister and I went, she went as Holmes and I went as Watson back when it first came out in theaters. Young Sherlock Holmes. Yes. Yes. Done yes, by yes. Steven Spielberg. And it's amazingly good. And it's it's Ian Hart. Um, I'm sorry, not Ian Hart. Uh, Nicholas Rowe and Alan Cox. Nicholas Rowe still looks like that. Yes. <laughs> And it's delightfully dark for a movie aimed at children, and that's one of the best things about it. Oh yes, it doesn't pull any punches. It's it's not a happy story for Holmes at all. Um, but it's it's a really great film, and I totally I totally have to mention that. So uh, I hope our babble made sense to you all, and uh, I hope you enjoyed us talking about Sherlock and I hope you take some of our suggestions to heart and um, check these out uh, and definitely check out the new season of Hol- of Sherlock when it hits um, US showers uh, I believe Mystery is going to be carrying it and I know BBC America will be carrying it it's probably going to be a few months though before we get it over here it did wrap up um, I believe last weekend or so um, in Britain for the second season but good news they announced a third. Did so they? They did. We're going to yes. get a third. But with the way their careers are going, no who knows when there. the hell it will happen. Uh, but, you know, that means Benedict Cumberbatch can show up and play, um, can play, uh, I don't know, maybe the master. <laughs> Doctor <laughs> Who. <laughs> God. You're not going to let that one go, are you? Well, the, the rumor is right now they're filming Star Trek 2 and he's playing Khan. Yeah, so. that's going to be so freaking cool. And so we'll see. But and because uh, I can't say it enough times, Martin Freeman, I love you. Seriously. Cumberbatch is getting all the attention, but I'm going to tell you right now, man, you're it. All, baby. You are the and man. And I have to say, I have to say Moriarty and Sherlock is some of the hottest, crazy mofos ever. Yes. Um, so good and job. And for everybody um, out there, yes, we do know it's Mar- Moriarty. She just can't say it right. Shut up. I'm Southern. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you. I know that ghostly Amanda is getting mad. So I will wrap this up. Um, thank you. And thanks for listening next week. Um, we will hopefully have Nathan Basil and Scott Blosserman. Ren. Yay. Rachel. Yay. Say your goodbyes, please. Bye. Good evening. Good evening. Good luck. 
Good night. Blah. <laughs> <laughs>